Welcome to the Lakeside Baptist Church Podcast. We pray you are blessed as you hear the Word of God today. For more information regarding Lakeside Baptist Church, please visit lakeside.asn.au. gather to remember, reflect and respond to Good Friday. Um, 2,000 years ago was the very first Good Friday where Jesus uh, was betrayed, uh, mocked, spat on, whipped, nailed to a cross uh, where he died this horrendous death so that we may have life and have it to the full. And so as we come this morning, we want to obviously celebrate the fact that Uh, We are free through that. We also want to sit in the fact that that did come at a price. Ernest Gordon, in his book, A Miracle of the River Kwa, uh, he tells the story of a prisoner of war, uh, the uh, Scottish soldiers, uh, but he tells the story of of various prisoner of wars in his book. Uh, But one story he tells about a group of Scottish soldiers who were obviously caught in Japan, uh, the Japanese prisoner of war, and they were working on a railroad in the jungle. And he tells this very moving, uh, disturbing, uh, inspirational, uh, quite painful and and even hard to kind of grasp story about these Scottish soldiers. And the story goes that one afternoon, they were obviously out on the railway doing their work, and, and every time they moved, the the Japanese soldiers would do what was called a uh, check or a count of all the equipment. And on the first check or account of the equipment, there was a shovel missing. Now, the soldier in charge was, was absolutely furious. Like, where is this shovel? What, what, where have you hidden it? Who's got it? Uh, and he absolutely was furious. And he gathered all the, 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 the group of prisoners there, and, and he demanded that the shovel be produced, or else, he said, uh, um, there's going to be trouble. Now, no one moved. Then he said, well, well who took the shovel? Who, you need to own up, someone needs to own up, uh, otherwise I'm going to, and he had his gun and he fired it in the air, and he said, otherwise I'm going to shoot all of you, I'm going to kill all of you. If the person who has taken the shovel does not own up, I'm going to shoot all of you. Then all of a sudden, a young man, uh, it doesn't say in how old he was, but he was young, uh, stepped forward. The soldier obviously was uh, furious and angry, but he was glad that someone had stepped forward. And uh, he put his gun in his pocket and he grabbed a shovel And then he used that shovel to beat this young soldier to death. Obviously, the the rest of the prisoners were were distraught and upset and couldn't believe what they had seen. And they'd seen some pretty gruesome things. It was time to move on to the next site. They picked up their their mate, their friend, bloody-bodied and carried him to the next site. And when they got to the next site, the, the, the routine was what? That they would count all the equipment 
like a stock take again to make sure it was all there. The sad thing is this time when they counted, there was the exact number of shovels that should have been there. And what actually happened was, the first time when they counted the shovels, there was a miscount. And it was at that point that the, the soldiers, the rest of the soldiers, sorry, the prisoner of war soldiers, the Scottish soldiers, realised that this young man just stepped forward so the rest of them wouldn't be shot. Because actually there wasn't a missing shovel, they just miscounted. And the news of this spread uh, like wildfire through, through the camp that, that this innocent man had been willing to die to save others. This innocent man had been willing to die to save others. Now, we love to hear those stories. It moves us, doesn't it? It, it moves us to think, wow, someone would lay down their own life to save others. We think of uh, stories like our own uh, war stories, the, the Anzacs, how they would, they would put their life on the line to, to give us freedom, that people would, would do something like that. We hear heroic stories of, of, of people rushing into buildings to save people, or to put their life on the line, but to, 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 to die that others would be saved. When we come to the story of Jesus, at the very essence, that's what it's about. At the very essence, Jesus, who is completely innocent, who has done nothing wrong, puts his life, takes his life, says, take my life so that we may have life, so that we may be declared innocent. Now, we may just, we kind of disassociate that and say, oh, yeah, Jesus died. But he sacrificed his life so that we may have life. And this morning again, we come to remember, to reflect and to respond on that, that truth that he was willing to give up what he had so that we may have life. Look at this passage here. The Apostle Paul in Philippians says this. He says, first he says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And then he goes on and explains what that is. But also he... he, he, he uh, articulates the, the, the pain but the cost of Jesus for coming down to earth. It says he, or who, meaning Jesus, being in very nature God, so Jesus was God, that's what that is saying, did not consider equality with God something to be used of his own advantage. That says that Jesus, who is God, did not just say, you know what, I'm going to stay distant and remote, I'm going to stay up in heaven, which he could do. And I'll allow hum humans or humanity to suffer the consequences of their own decisions, the consequences of their own sin. I'm not, I'm not going to leave the air conditioning up here, but, but he, he does. Now, we know the motivation of that is love for us, but it said he did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. When we think about the life of Jesus, he, he literally came as nothing. The very fact that God would become human is incredible. The creator of the universe is uh, inside skin. He reduces himself to nothing, taking the very nature of a servant 
being made in human likeness. We know the story of Christmas, how Jesus comes and is born in a barn. He's not born in a palace. He, he doesn't have uh, uh, security guards or, or, or the luxuries of a king. He's born as a poor servant. Jesus didn't uh, leave more than 200 k's from, from where he was born. He didn't uh, release an album or, or, or write a book. He didn't do any of that, in, that stuff that we generally put with fame. He didn't have lots of money. He didn't do any of that stuff. This is God, the creator of the universe, it says. And then he's made in human likeness, being found in the appearance of man. He humbled himself. He chose to do this. He didn't have to. He chooses to do it. And then it says he became obedient to death. So, you know, the plan was never for us to die. It was for us to live. And so Jesus, who is God and the Son of God, comes to us as one of us and becomes obedient to death. Why? Because there is a cost for us. There is a cost that we turn our back. There's a cost to sin. Becoming obedient to death and that death is even on a cross. One of the worst forms of capital punishment. The Jews said that if you were to die on the cross, you were cursed. Cursed anyone who, is, who dies on a tree or cursed anyone who's crucified. That curse becomes this incredible blessing for us. You know, the first words of Jesus when he was on the cross. Jesus is on the cross and the very first words he says to everyone who was there was, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. I don't think I'd be saying, Father, forgive them. No, I wouldn't. I'd be saying something else. But it wouldn't be, Father, forgive them. We know and we've heard the pain and suffering, the, the lashes, the, the 39 lashes. But basically it was just being whipped until uh, he, he was almost dead. And then to be nailed to the cross. And his first words are, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. You see, even on the cross, when he's nailed and bleeding and, and dying, his words are to say, forgive them. Because in many ways, that was the mission, the mission of why Jesus came. And we see this through different aspects of the life of Jesus. Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. Your sins are forgiven. There's a great story, one of my favourite stories, actually, in the Gospel of Luke, uh, Luke chapter 5, where uh, Jesus is uh, preaching at this, this person's house and uh, he's so popular, it says that the house was full of people, people were flowing out of the house, people were looking through windows, wanting to hear what Jesus, this new rabbi, this new teacher was going to say. And it said as Jesus was teaching, there were the religious people were riding close. You see, the religious people were, were almost despised Jesus. Jesus talked about this new way of, of having a relationship with God. Jesus did things that they would never do. And they wanted to trip Jesus up. And, and as we hear this story uh, where Jesus is teaching in this house, the religious people are almost, you could imagine them, at the front of the room waiting for Jesus to say something so they can tweet it or put it on their Facebook account and say, Jesus said this, this isn't from the Bible. And, and they were waiting to, for Jesus to stuff up. And the story goes that there was a group of guys who had a friend who was paralysed, meaning he couldn't walk, his legs didn't work. He spent his whole life on the floor on a mat 
And, and the, these group, they, these are pretty good mates. These are mates that you'd want to have, actually. Because they thought if they could get their mate to have an encounter with Jesus, or just to see Jesus face to face, maybe Jesus could heal him. I don't know if you know this story. It's a pretty well-known story. They went to take their mate. They carried their mate to Jesus. They couldn't get in. The, the place was full, people coming out, and they, they're thinking, how do we get in so our friend can have an encounter with Jesus? We heard he's a miracle worker. The religious people had the closest seats, and so they think, all right, I'm not going to give up. And the story goes that they carry this guy up, and they go onto the roof, and the roof would have been made out of kind of sticks and clay and that kind of stuff, and, and they start to dig around. Imagine, imagine the guy... Uh, on the mat, he'd be thinking, guys, come on, surely, is this, is this going to work? <laughs> they put, he puts his trust in their, on his friends as well, and they start to dig around uh, uh, to, to remove the tiles or whatever it was, and, and Jesus is, is preaching, and, and you could imagine dust starting to fall in and, and thinking, what's going on? And even if we were to rip a, a sheet of metal off here, what would come in straight away? Light. And so as soon as they've made that gap, the light starts to shine. Jesus is still preaching. And then this man, they lower this paralyzed guy. Obviously, they had some ropes. They didn't just drop him. But they lowered him down right in front of Jesus. Like he was, he was right there. And he has the front row seat. And Jesus is moved by this. Jesus is like, wow, your faith is incredible. And one of the things that Jesus says to him, the very first thing that Jesus says to him, he says, your faith is great and, and your sins are forgiven. Now, what did this man come to have done? He came to have his legs fixed, to no longer be paralyzed. And the first thing Jesus says is, your sins are forgiven. You see, sin is the mother of all suffering. Yes, we have other problems. We have health issues. We have financial issues. We have relationship issues. We have all those things, and God can heal them and fix them. But the ultimate problem that we have is the sin problem. And Jesus sees this man's ultimate need is to do with sin, and he says, your sins are forgiven. Now, the religious people uh, didn't like that because to forgive sins means you must be God. And, and they started thinking to themselves, oh, he's blaspheming. Who does Jesus think that he could say that? But Jesus knows their minds and he says to them, is it easier for me to say, get up, mate, take your mat and go home? Or is it easier for me to say your sins are forgiven? Because if I say your sins are forgiven, no one's really, no really going to know. To say that your sins are forgiven, Jesus is actually claiming to be God. And so what he does is, he says, well, I'm going to show you that this man's sins are forgiven by saying, mate, get up, stand up, grab your mat and go home. And that's exactly what happened. This guy who came, who couldn't walk, who was lowered through the roof, stood up, I don't know how long he hadn't been, hadn't stood up straight for, stood up, grabbed his mat and walked out of there. And by doing that, Jesus was affirming that that man's sins had been forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. There's another story about a lady at a party, that Jesus was at a party, uh, and this lady who was a prostitute, 
And she was at this party, and she, one, probably shouldn't have been culturally at the party, but Jesus had an ability to attract the common person, the person who had issues and, and struggles. And this prostitute lady, she comes up to Jesus, and she opens a jar of perfume, and she starts to wash Jesus' feet with this perfume. And again, the religious people there start to think, why is Jesus allowing this lady, one, she's a lady, she shouldn't be here, why, why is she allowed to touch Jesus' feet? If Jesus knew, surely Jesus knows that this lady is, is a sinner, is a prostitute. If Jesus knew, which he does, because he would have seen her on the streets, surely he would rebuke her. Because to get close to a prostitute would mean that you would then become sinful. Why would Jesus allow that? Because Jesus, that was Jesus' mission. And then there's this encounter with Jesus and, and the host of, of the party, so to speak, and, and, and Jesus basically says, you, I've come to the, your house and you didn't wash my feet, you didn't do any of this stuff. Here's this lady who is a prostitute who has worshipped me. And he turns to her and she, he says, guess what? Your sins are forgiven. By your faith, by your demonstration, of your sins are forgiven. Or, or what about the story? I love this story as well. Uh, and there's lots of stories about women in the Gospels, and I think that's deliberate because Jesus, Jesus had, uh, had a passion for women. Culturally, women were kind of pushed to the side, but Jesus said the Gospel's available for everyone, and it's all recorded here. And there's this incredible story where this woman was caught in adultery. This woman was caught having... Uh, an affair with a guy and the religious people again drag her out into the, the village square and I always wonder where the guy is in this story the guy just kind of runs off they don't drag him into the village square they drag her into the village square imagine the shame that she felt in that moment none of us like to be caught in our sin do we it's embarrassing it's horrible even coming before God, it can be like that. But to be dragged in front of the whole village. And they drag her to, again, they're trying to trap Jesus or to trip up Jesus. And they say to Jesus, Jesus, the law of Moses says, because this lady's committed adultery, which she had, she should be stoned to death, which was the rule. Meaning that they would pick up rocks and start throwing it at her. Wow. That's a pretty big price to pay. And Jesus said, you know what, you're right. You're right, that is the rule. That is the law, that, that if you're caught in adultery, you should be stoned to death. And so Jesus says, exactly right, that is the law. And so we're going to do that. We're going to honour the law. And he says, anyone, the first person who is without sin can throw the first rock. Whoever is without sin can pick up a rock and throw it. Now, they weren't expecting that, were they? I'd love to have been there for that. And then for some strange reason, it says that Jesus gets on his knees and he, and he starts scribbling in the sand. We, we don't know what he's doing. Uh, some say that he was writing down the various sins. But bit by bit, what starts to happen? There's some kind of, you could imagine some grumbling and, and some moaning in the background of people talking. People start to leave. One by one, everyone leaves. And now there's only two people. This young lady who's been caught in adultery and Jesus. And Jesus says, where have all your accusers gone? 
There's one person who could throw the stone. Who could that? Who could be the only person that could throw the stone there, the rock? Jesus. He was without sin. He had every right to pick up a big old rock and throw it at her. But he doesn't. He says to her, no one else, he said, no one else is you know, here, so, so guess what? You, your sins are forgiven. Go and sin no more. Don't, don't do that. That lifestyle is bad for you. That lifestyle is killing you. Don't do that. Go and sin no more. Your sins are forgiven. One of the final scenes on the cross, Jesus is on the cross and on either side of him, he has two criminals. And we often see it portrayed in uh, different paintings or images of Easter. And Jesus in the centre and, and these two criminals on either side. And as these two criminals, we don't know what they're there for, but they had done something wrong, stealing or, or, or whatever, something, they've, they've broken the law. They should be on that cross according to the, the rules of the day. They had broken the law and now they're suffering the consequences of their actions. And they're up on this cross and they're on either side of Jesus and, and we hear and we heard even in that reading that the people were mocking Jesus. Jesus, you saved others. You rose other people. from. What, what, why don't you save yourselves, Jesus? Get down from that cross, Jesus. And we read that, that one of the criminals also starts to mock Jesus. Jesus, why don't you save us? You've saved others. Come on, if you're that good, if you're that great, get off that cross and save us as well. And then the, the other criminal has a go at that other guy and says, what? Are you kidding me, buddy? We deserve to be here, me and you. We did the wrong thing, but this guy, he's done nothing wrong. Now, we don't know the story of that guy, but at that point, right at that point, where he's at his most vulnerable, at his most weakest, one, there's two ways of responding, isn't there? This one criminal wants to almost blame Jesus or, or, or say, you need to help me. And, and there's almost this no admitting of the fact that they've done the, something wrong. But this other criminal says, you know what? We've done the wrong thing. Leave this guy alone. And then he says to Jesus, he has this incredible encounter. And basically like, do you have a kingdom? If you're the, if you're the God uh, that you say you are, please remember me. Remember me, Jesus. Remember me. I deserve to be here, but remember me. And we get these beautiful words from Jesus. You can imagine Jesus turning. This is when Jesus is on the cross. I, you know, you'd kind of be like, just leave me alone. I want to die. He's someone still bugging me. And Jesus turns to this criminal and he says, today, you'll be in paradise with me. Today, you will be in paradise. Right at the last, this guy's very last chance, Jesus turns and says, you will be in paradise with me. What does Jesus say? Your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. You see, none of this is a surprise. This was Jesus' mission and purpose. Look at this in Matthew one twenty one. This is the Easter, Easter verse. She will give birth to a son. This is the angel talking to, to Joseph. And you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will what? Save his people from their sins. Right from the beginning, Jesus' mission was to go to the cross. Yes, the incarnation, the Christmas story is, is, is an incredible story. But this was the mission. This was the focus. 
that he would go to the cross to pay the price so that we may have life. Look at 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, In Christ, those who believe in Christ, those that have a relationship with Christ, God put the wrong on him who never did anything wrong. So God put the wrong, the, our sins on, 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 on Jesus so that we could be made right or we could be put right with God. So by Jesus taking the weight of the sins of the world, we could be put right with God. Now, every religious system in the world, check it out for yourself, is dealing with this forgiveness thing or dealing with this sin thing, trying to get forgiveness since the beginning of time. Even, even now, secular humanism are, are, are dealing with this kind of sin and, and how can you be forgiven? As some religions say you have to do lots of good things. They've got this concept of, a, of a, a scales. If you do good, that's bad. If you do some bad and, and you've, got to do, you've got to do more good than bad or you've got to do some religious things and pray so many times a day or, or go on a pilgrimage or do, give alms or something. And, and by doing that, you may get forgiven you may get forgiven. Or maybe you need to do some outward sacrificing of animals or, 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 or altars with food and incense and lighting things and doing rituals and, and bringing a sacrifice and, and hoping to appease this angry God. Or maybe it's about being reincarnated to, to get rid of all your impurities that, that you will suffer and you might start as a as a flea and, and, and slowly work your way through this, reaching the ultimate, this, this suffering and, and coming out of that. Christianity, Good Friday is Good Friday because of this very fact that we want to hear those words, you are forgiven, your sins are forgiven. Christianity is the only religion that offers that. The only religion that says through someone else, you get a clean slate. You see, the human problem is sin. The Bible says that no one is righteous. Unfortunately, no one is righteous. Not even one, it says. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. The Bible says the wages of sin or the cost of sin is death, meaning that, that there's a payment for our sin. Now, we either pay it, we think we can pay it, or we look to Jesus who pays it for us. The wages of sin is death. And the rest of that verse says there's a little bit of hope, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. And the hope comes through the Good Friday message that while we were still sinners, while we were still ratbags, while we were still like the two criminals on the cross, Jesus died for us. Jesus died for us. Look at this passage in Romans 10. That stuff is all true. What I just said then, that the, the human condition is that we're sinful, that the hope that comes that Jesus has paid the price of that sin, but the response relies all, uh, on us. We still have to accept it. We still have to respond. Romans 10 says, if you declare with your mouth, if you say, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be forgiven of your sins. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith that you are saved. The response is up to us. The, 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 the gift is there for everyone. Forgiveness is there for everyone. We just need to respond. Colossians 2, 14, beautiful passage. 
It says this, and this is the message translation. It says, when you are stuck in your old sin dead life, you are incapable of responding to God. God brought you alive right along with Christ. Think of it, he says. All sins forgiven, the slate wiped clean. Clean. The old arrest warrant cancelled and nailed to the cross. Some trans- where it says slate wiped clean, some, tra- some translations say cleansed or cleaned or, or washed and and it, that word has all of those meanings, to erase, to wipe, even to uh, obliterate, to, to destroy completely. Jesus removes it, removes all of that, all of those sins. There's a red piece of paper on your chair uh, next to you. Uh, you may have got one when you came in. I, I'd, I'd ask you to just grab that piece of paper and if you need one, there, there, there should be one spare around. This morning we come to remember, reflect and to respond to Jesus. Jesus said, and Jesus has done the work, that when you confess with your heart and believe, uh, confess with your mouth and believe in your heart and acknowledge and, and, and say, These, this is my junk, Jesus. Forgive me for this. Sometimes we have a hard time coming to Jesus and, and admitting that we are sinners and showing Him and saying, these are my sins. We, we feel embarrassed and ashamed. But Jesus says, just like the way He treat, treated the woman who was caught in adultery, just bring them to Jesus. And so what I want us to do now in your own mind and heart is to write on that piece of paper, any of your any of your sins, any of your regrets. You see, guilt leads uh, guilt crushes us. Grace brings freedom and life. Because what we need to do is let go of that stuff, and rely on the fact that Jesus paid the price for it. So I'm going to give you thirty seconds, a minute, just to. Allow God to open your heart. What, what are you, what are you uh, asking God to forgive? A fresh slate. A fresh slate. Bring him this piece of paper and he's going to give you a fresh slate. The regrets that you may have, the bad decisions that you may have done, the, 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 the sin in your life. No one's going to see it. This is just a way that we can, we can uh, Jesus already knows it, but it's a way for us to move forward and it's a way for us to remember, reflect and respond. So just think, what are the things? No one, no one looking over shoulders. crazy is 2,000 years ago I, I, I could open these shredders this one was working overtime um, lots of lots of it going in there but I could open it and I could pour it at pour the bits of paper at the cross 
struggle to think. 2,000 years ago, Jesus knew that. The very things that you wrote on that piece of paper, he knew. And he died for. Let me end with this story. Uh, You may have heard it before. There was uh, a a guy who was, I don't know if he was driving or or walking. Um, It was a cold night in in the US, I think it was. And uh, there was an accident in a, on the river, freezing cold river. Uh, A boat or a ferry had had, um, started to sink. Hundreds of passengers were were scrambling to, to swim to shore. And this man who saw this happening, who was a, a pretty good swimmer, uh, he started to swim out to people and rescue them and bring him into the shore. And on that day, he saved nearly 100 people. He, he swam out, saved about 100 people and um, brought them to the shore. He tells a story uh, 80 years on or something, uh, maybe not that long, but you know, he lived his life and he, he, he'd suffered immensely because of what he did. His body was, was ruined, different uh, chronic pains and leg issues and, and circulation issues because the water was freezing. And the sad thing about this story is he goes on to share that that for that whole incident, now initially I think people had shock, but he says not one person ever came to say thank you to him. Wow. Our response from the work of Jesus is to say thank you. And the way we say thank you is by the way we, we, we live our lives. We don't live our lives to please God or to make ourselves right with God. The way we live our lives is saying, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. I want to follow you. I want to serve you. Let's stand together. I'm going to pray and we're going to sing this last song. Father, this morning we come and we remember and we reflect and we respond. And and we sit in the, the, the fact that sin is dangerous. It has a cost, which is death. And Lord, we, we thank you that you sent your son to pay the price for us, that you shred all of our sin, that, that we may have life and have it to the full, Father, that this stuff that separates us between you and us and us and others can be shredded and is forgiven and it's God and you don't bring it up. Thank you, Lord. May we continue to remember this. May this be something we don't remember just once a year. But may we be reminded every time we look at this white sheet of paper, when this gets all wrecked, we can just put another sheet of paper. That we are cleansed, that we are washed, that our slate has been wiped clean. Thank you, Jesus. We pray this in your precious name. Everyone said.